Welcome to Rich Conversations. Gigi Flores returns to the show, joining us from El Paso, Texas. In this episode, we talk the shining film art and fiction writing. In preparation for this episode, I watched Stanley Kubrick's The Shining for the first time. <laughs> Admittedly, I don't watch a lot of movies, which is why I wanted to have Gigi on, so that like she could help me understand film a little better, so that I can appreciate uh, and be more thoughtful of like what I'm watching. So I watched The Shining, starring Jack Nicholson. We deconstruct the art forms and storytelling that made it great. We discuss how it's shot, the colors, the composition, writing, and especially performances. We also explore the minds of writers. I ask her about that. And she identifies three elements of effective fiction writing. What makes a good story? Gigi breaks it down for us. We also wonder whether augmented and virtual reality will eventually replace film as the highest form of storytelling. Isn't that interesting, right? You know, so we explore that. And also, are we storytelling on social media about us as characters in our own life? This is a fantastic episode. Awesome to have Gigi back. You can follow her on Instagram at GigiFlores02. Now. Let's begin. All right. Welcome to Rich Conversations. Uh, This is going to be another fantastic episode. We are going to talk. I want to talk art and film and writing with Gigi Flores. Uh, She was on an episode 176. All the way uh, in El Paso, Texas. Uh, welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So, okay. So the last time we recorded, this was uh, October. And oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Since then, uh, what what activities or experiences have you done that you've enjoyed? What activities? I really got into ice skating or figure skating and trying. So that's been something that I've been sort of practicing lately. Okay. So this is like a... I'm sorry. Yeah, go for it. So it's obviously an indoor space. Yes. (laughs) And I've I've seen photos of it. What What do you like? Like the activity itself, like what... Like, how do you feel and how does it help you in a way? It is very different from anything else. I think just the idea or the fact that you're gliding, like, on the ice, it's, I don't know, it's very soothing. It's just a very, very particular feeling that you get when you're ice skating. And I love it. And I especially love it because it's cold. It's indoors. Um, The weather right here, um, it's... It's terrible <laughs> right now. We're getting into the, the high nineties, high hundreds. Uh, <laughs> so it's crazy. Yeah. So for the summer, especially, I love ice skating because it's just cold weather for me. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that's something I don't really think about. That opposite, because uh, we're here in Chicago. It's like um, early sixties. What is that? <sighs> low 60s that's lovely that's lovely <laughs> no it's kind of it's kind of chilly we had like a few days in the 70s last week and it was like 
you know, we, we want more of this, but you were saying the mm-hmm. opposite, like finding activities in uh, the cold you enjoy doing. Yeah. Yes, especially because of the high temperatures, it's just uh, unbearable at times. So you want to stay indoors. I mean, there's a lot of people who really love just going outside, go for a hike on the hot weather. Yeah. But I mean, it gets really it gets really hot. So sometimes you want to like chill out or cool for a bit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how many times a week do you go? I go at least two to three times a week. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty regular. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. That's a cool activity to get into for sure. Uh, okay. So the last time that we talked, you were taking this class called Mind Fiction. <laughs> yeah, Mind Fiction. Yeah, yeah. Can you uh, elaborate on that and like what you learned in it? I'm very fascinated. Yeah, it was a very interesting class. I really liked it. It was a it, it was very loaded and it was heavy. But that's the cool thing about that professor is that you know that when you get into his classroom, you're gonna learn actually something. And it was pretty awesome because we got to see a lot of movies. We got to read a couple of books um, and learn about the different philosophies just of creating the mind and how the mind sometimes um, it's question if it can survive without a body. And this is something you see, for example, in The Matrix that people don't really think about it. But it's a very philosophical film on Rene Descartes' um, meditations and how he sort of like, Everything he believed at that, at some point in time, he decided to just disregard everything he knew and create create his own beliefs. Um, and that's something that we see in the film of The Matrix when Neo is offered the blue pill uh, or the red pill. That's something yeah. that is uh, in question right there. So and which so which one is which? The, the blue pill is what, and the red pill is what? I don't remember which one's which. <laughs> One of, you don't want to get your I, pills I confused. I, I, I know, but um, I don't remember. I know all I know is that one of them is uh, to continue in that in that sort of like illusion or yeah. vi- virtual reality, and the other one shows you what the world's like in real life. You know, yeah. like they const- they construct in that um, illusion of like. So I don't remember which one's which. I'm sorry, it's been a while. It's been since when December, the last time that I yeah. saw it. And I haven't seen the most recent one, so I'm so sorry. I'm really behind on it. But yeah, it was a very interesting class, honestly. It was a it was a cool approach to things that sometimes you don't question much, like films. So yeah. So like how is it incorporated? Like who who incorporates it into a film? Is it the director? Is it the writer? Um, yeah, I mean, um sometimes. Of course, um, well, it depends because sometimes you're going to have writers who are just going to write the screenplay and then you're going to have some writers who are also the directors of the film. Um, And it just depends when it's just a a writer or they get the script. um, Also, the director um, has the last word on what's going to be done with the film. But when you have writers, directors doing the same thing, I think it's a very cool approach because I think they know what they want to see um on the screen and they know exactly what they wrote on the page and they wrote it for a reason so i think it's a very cool approach to filmmaking when the directors make their own like write their own stuff yeah 
Yeah, you're you're into uh, the films. You you like are the like mind kind of bending psychological ones, right? I do. Yes, I do. Um, and I think just because I think it's interesting. For example, most recently, um, I've been I've been waiting for Stranger Things for the last couple of seasons. So in the meantime, I've been watching or re-watching um, The Hunting of Hill House. I don't know if you've seen the series. So this Netflix. is, so you're saying when you say strange, you're saying like Stranger Things or Doctor Strange? Or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Stranger Things. Like, have you seen okay. it? Okay. I saw like the first two seasons that stopped. Okay. Well, I'm waiting for the third one. No, for the fourth and fifth season okay. to come out, which are coming, okay. I think um in two days i think maybe oh wow so in the meantime i've been watching this other show which is called the hunting of hill house hunting of hill house okay you haven't seen it i have not oh my god it's really good it's is it a tv horror... show or a yeah, movie it's a... no it's is it it's a mini series it's like a horror oh, okay. thriller psychological mini series on netflix it's really good it's very popular okay. and i love that one and that has a lot to do with sort of like the mind and just like twisting things and time it's, it's really interesting so in preparation for this conversation i watched uh the shining last night oh, for the first good. time yeah what? yeah the first time the first time me? first time i ever saw it <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. This is a, uh, like real talk. The reason I want to yeah. have you on too is like, I, I want to get into film and movies a little bit more. I feel like uh, I, I, a lot of times I don't remember what mm -hmm. happens. And a lot of times too, I feel like I know how everything's going to go. So it's like, it feels like mm -hmm. a waste of time to me. I think really what it is is that I'm just not, finding movies in particular that I mm. know I would enjoy in a way or mm -hmm. uh, learning more about all the, the things that go into it. So, mm. so I took your advice and I watched the shining yeah. <laughs> what do you Even think? right when it came on. So right when it comes on, there's this like these shots of the landscape in like the mountains and like Colorado. And it has this really eerie music. Yeah. <laughs> like these like deep, off-putting notes so yeah. it's, it's like the sound they're communicating to you right away that this is going to be a little spooky right yes i took i took notes on it too by the way oh that's cool tell me about okay. it give me your opinion on it okay so i something that struck me is i mm -hmm. really love the symmetry of the shots like, yeah. like all the shots are very symmetrical. And like when you're in the hotel, first of all, this building, the, the hotel, uh, it's, just, it's beautiful. And it's weird to see it cause it was, it was filmed or it came out in 1980. So I don't know if it was like mm -hmm. a contemporary, if it looked contemporary yeah. at the time, but now it looks like a total, like, uh, you know, a lot of times bars, they'll decorate it to make you feel like you're yeah. in this decade or that one. So it's mm -hmm. definitely like the 70s or, or 60s, something like that. 
and it had a lot of like browns and oranges and and like uh green like greens that were that like olive color a little bit but everything in the shots like if you're looking at a room it's like the lights match up perfectly and you can see a lot of the perspective in these these things and even in the shots I really enjoy I noticed that they used this technique of like following the subject mm -hmm. in this like yeah. continuous shot so you're seeing the back of them uh so those stuck out to me right away what are your thoughts mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I think uh that is what's so beautiful about film you know it is very a very visual medium you know and I think that um of course we like to see pretty things and even if we're looking at something sort of like spooky it has to be aesthetically pleasing to the eye and yeah. I think that's the reason for those shots right because they want to show you as an audience member um where you have to be looking at so it's also the camera work just guiding you to where your eye should be looking at or be directed to that is the beauty of it I love it what else do you think what else did okay, you like so the story itself did you enjoy it <laughs> so I was concerned right away <laughs> that so there's there's a what do you call it foreshadowing so that he's meeting <laughs> with the uh for those of you that haven't seen the movie before uh <laughs> so, so this guy watches over the hotel for the period this is up in uh colorado in the mountains and uh estes oh estes okay yeah i've been over there yeah um, it's supposed to be there yeah so so for the summer, everybody's there, but during the winter, they like shut it down. And because it was, it's very secluded, you can't with the snow get access to it. So they need someone to, to look it over. Uh, so this writer goes to it and he's thinking, hey, I can use this as some time to clear my mind. Isolation, I can get this, this writing done. And uh, then they, they let him know that actually, uh, a guy went crazy and he killed his, his two daughters and his wife with an ax. And he's like, oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting note. And they say, you know, the isolation was it's what quote, there's a tremendous amount of isolation. Some people find solitude can be a problem. And he was like, no, not me. So you can, you can see the foreshadowing. Okay. We're, you know, issues are going to come up. Uh, so my question was like, he's there from, he's there till May, but he gets there maybe in what, December or January or something? I think so. I think he gets there like around November, probably November. Late, late November, early December. Okay. I will assume. I don't remember, honestly, but yes, he's so like, there like for the entire winter. So I don't know the answer this for sure, but like how much time passed until he like the final scene? Like it doesn't go to May, right? It goes, it's pretty no. quick. Yeah. I would say probably over a couple of weeks or months. I think it's, I think they mention it in the film. I don't remember if they do, 
I didn't watch it, it last night. I should have. You should have told me. You should have told me you were watching it so I could prepare myself. Uh, well, it seemed like it seemed like um, he started going crazy kind of early. And I felt because they were like they would flash on the screen like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know, like you're going to start going crazy after less than a week of being in isolation. I mean, come on. Like, uh, yeah. But then I thought throughout the movie, I thought they did a pretty good job of like showing in increments and then weaving it in with uh, his son who's having these like psychic visions or powers or communicating. Uh, So I actually thought like they did a good job of like, fixing that or like uh making it more mm-hmm. believable for me mm-hmm. um yeah now i'm i'm curious do you know like the average amount of shots per a movie or no or, like per thriller movie oh, or no no i don't know how many shots uh, or how many takes they made the film um usually when it comes to film it can take you from over two months over two years maybe to the film uh what well, well i mean like uh so this was like a, a psychological kind of thriller drama mm-hmm. it seemed like they used like a minimal amount of shots like they really used the like uh they didn't do a lot of uh what do you call that cuts back and forth it was very mm-hmm. like it seemed very just they let it play out more. Uh, so I'm mm-hmm. curious if that was like an element of the storytelling that they they use. I think so. I think it might be uh, with some purpose from the director, and it also like your question reminded me of the movie. What's it called? 1917. I think. Have okay. you seen it? It's a war film. And it's basically the movie is shot in a way that you think that it's just one shot throughout the entire film. Okay. But of course it's not right. They have to make cuts and everything, but everything's placed yeah. in a way in which you or you're you're tricked into believing that what you're seeing is just like an entire like one shot. And it's very interesting. Yeah. And I think uh, going back to your question, um, there's a very specific episode in The Hunting of Hill House. It's uh, actually episode six, where it is that sort of like camera work where you um, are tricked also into believing everything's um, done in just one shot. So it is interesting. Yeah. I think you're gonna like the uh, you're gonna like that show, The Hunting of Hill House. It's it's okay. a little bit scary. I mean, it is on the scarier side, but it's a really good story. I thought. Um... Yeah, and you can tell with the shots, they're very intentional of like when they would show a close up of the boy. Mm-hmm. And he's like freaking out. You know that oh, yeah. something's coming to the next shot. The very next shot, you know, yeah. it's going to reveal what he's looking at. Um, yeah. I thought that was really, really interesting. There was like this one part where he's in this, he's got, he's in like the lobby of the hotel. And he's got this long desk and he's there on just a typewriter and he's like perfectly centered on the table, perfectly centered in the room. Mm -hmm. So you have this beautiful shot 
And I'm, I just like wrote down like, that's what, that's what, where I want to be writing. I just, I just yeah. want to be like, that whole space. That was, that was really cool. Um, uh, what did I, what did I say? Yeah, that, that looked like a cool thing. I thought, um, Jack Nicholson had a really great performance. Like, I didn't know, I don't know if there's another actor that could like pull that off. Yeah. Cause I felt like, uh, I, like at the beginning I needed more convincing in a way. And I felt like through performance, mm -hmm. he was a lot more convincing than I think other people could perform as. I completely agree with that. And actually, I don't know. Um, well, this was your first time watching The Shining. I will assume that you haven't watched the sequel, right? Doctor Sleep? No, I have not. Okay, then you should. Okay. <laughs> you have homework because that's uh, actually after Danny becomes a man, right? He grows up and he actually goes back to the hotel. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, okay. And there's also this sort of um, moment where he meets with his father, with the ghost of his father, right? I'm sorry I'm spoiling you, but it's because I'm going to the point. Um, but it's not Jack Nicholson, and you totally feel the difference oh, on the actor really? and the character. Yeah, it's because I think Nicholson, I don't know, he's, he's fantastic at it. But throughout the, throughout the movie, it's like you said, like you need a little bit of convincing. So he starts sort of like slow, but he, the character gains momentum until we get to that final part in that yeah. classic of like, here's daddy or here's Johnny, you know, yeah. um, when he loses his mind, you know? So it's the building and, and, yeah. and the momentum of the story of the performance of everything that's um, going uh, into this finale. Right. So yeah, you should watch Doctor Sleep as well. You're gonna like. Yeah, I thought it was <laughs> interesting. Uh, his facial expressions. He was really able to, like, move his yeah. face in different ways that mm -hmm. were really uh, communicative of emotions or certain feelings or, or thoughts. Mm -hmm. That was that was pretty impressive. I thought. Yeah, I'm not an actor, but I do feel that. Uh, good actors know how to do that like oh it's not just through just saying stuff but also performing and embodying stuff yeah. and creating uh facial expressions because that's the way we usually yeah. um act in real life right we we frown or whenever we cry or we're mad we yeah you know put on these faces and i think that's that's exactly what he did and that's exactly what actors do you know like really embody all of those emotions and then put yeah. it on the screen embody yeah that's the right word for sure mm -hmm. that's cool uh two other quick notes on it i thought his wife <laughs> i thought that relationship was a little it was kind of a stretch it seemed like uh so the relationship didn't really work out but like how did they end up together to begin with it felt like she was like this really naive woman and he was like this yeah. you know intellectual he's a writer and but it seemed like that relationship just like didn't 
work to begin with. So like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. She's like a little too ditzy uh, for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kids. Whenever, when we start the story, we we start that they're together and all this, right? But in the book, actually, um, I think it's Wendy who explains how she met him and how they fell in love. So at her household, um, there was like family violence and she was having problems with her parents and everything. So they actually fell in love and they just like ran away together and they lived together. And then that's, um, okay. I think a couple of years uh, passed by and then we get to the point uh, where we start the film. Yeah, but in the, it's because yeah, we don't have a backstory in the film, but in the book we do. I think that's Got one it. of the main differences. Got yeah. it. Uh... Okay, so at the end, the last shot is of this photo on the wall. Oh, yes. Yes. So it zooms in and like it's him. And there was a. Okay, so it it zooms in from the room all the way to this one photo on the wall. And it's like all these people in the ballroom. The ballroom is this like beautiful, some beautiful scenes there with the bar and the people and the music. Uh, really elegant and just you just want to be there in that space but it had like 1921 on it the year 1921 and it's like um uh jack's character right there like Mm -hmm. i i didn't understand that what was the significance of that he's trapped he's trapped forever with all the other ghosts in the hotel you know and i'm not sure if it's like if everything's like off place right there, because it doesn't make sense, right? Because of the time where the story takes place and the photo. But I think it just means that he's trapped forever and ever for eternity in the hotel, you know? Regardless of time, he's always gonna be there. Okay. That's my take. Okay. Don't take it as an answer. It's just my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I still don't know. Like 1921, like that specific year. I don't know why they had that. They mentioned 1907 a few a few times because that was when it opened. Mm-hmm. And then 1970 something is when the axe murder happened. But the 1921, I just didn't understand that. So I don't, I don't know. know about the date, but I think it's just, I don't know. Like it was a party. It was at the big hole so i don't know maybe i honestly don't know but that's my take like for me it's yeah. like he's trapped in 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 time you know he's trapped in time at the hotel that's what it yeah. is i think huh well wrapping up uh the shining uh <laughs> do you know any other notes on uh so stanley kubrick he directed it mm-hmm. is that what it was Okay. Did yes. he write it and direct it, or? I don't remember if he wrote it, uh, but something I know for sure is that Stephen King hates the movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, he doesn't like it. <laughs> he actually wow. sold the rights uh, of the book for that movie to be made, and then when it came out, since it is it is an adaptation, so you have to remember yeah. when someone's telling you it's an adaptation it's not what's on the page (laughs) 
of the book, right? Yeah, right. So after he saw it, he was really, really upset. Uh, he didn't like the movie, so he bought the rights of the book again. And there's another movie that Stephen King directed um, about The Shining, and this movie takes place at the hotel on Estes Park, which is the Stanley Hotel. Um, and it's the place where he actually stayed uh, one night, and that's where the Shining story idea was born. And I've visited the hotel, and it's a beautiful hotel. It, it's not. It has nothing to do like with what we see on the film of Kubrick's film. Okay. Um, but it's a beautiful place. I love the place. Um, so if you look it up, like Stephen King's The Shining, um, like the other film, you're gonna like see that it's like different. Yeah. But I, I honestly like a lot more uh, Stanley Kubrick's version. It's really good. And Jack okay. Nicholson is just like over the board. Yeah, great performance. That stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, you have you read any other books by Stephen King? Yes, I've read. Which is another one? The Pet Cemetery. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's another book that I read of him. Yeah, it's it's also there's also a movie that Stephen King made, and then there's another movie like a remake that came out recently. Well, not recently, but a couple of years ago. And okay. it's, and it's good. Yeah, it's good. And it's yeah, about a haunted I've, like cemetery where you put dead things and they come back to life. So yeah, it's interesting. Sounds original. <laughs> Very original. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, I read, uh, let's see, what do I got here? I've never read a, a fiction book from him, but I have read nonfiction um, I thought it was over here. <laughs> huh. can't find it i uh so it's stephen king on writing and it's actually like his writing process and like how to write and uh Ooh, okay. it's a really excellent book i wish i knew where it was more i rearranged i went through all my books i got rid of three <laughs> four four totes big totes of books oh geez. that's a lot that's a lot of books yeah, and there's still a lot surrounding me. Uh, I don't know where it is. I know I didn't get rid of it because that's like it. Such an excellent book. And it gives you like, it says if you're a professional writer, you should be able to sit down and write it in like three months. So, you, and he talks about no adverbs, like get rid of adverbs and mm -hmm. use your toolbox. So, Use words that you know, you know, be genuine yeah. with it and don't don't try to be someone that, that you're not and then just say it, just just say it, just write it and follow like a schedule. And, you know, there's no such thing as this like 
if you're writing when you're like inspired or only when you're inspired, you're not like a writer that's like amateur. You got to sit down, you got to write it and boom, get it done in like three months, you know? So yeah, I read that yeah, book is, and then I, <laughs> and then I uh, wrote my first book in six weeks. So, so there's some truth to that for sure. Uh, great advice. That's a great book. Anyone who's, who's looking to write more, read that book. That's like the best book I can recommend. Um, but getting into writers a little bit. Okay. So what fascinates you about the minds of writers? I think every mind is just its own little world, which allows us to get into very original stories, I would say. You know, we all have and yeah. go through very different things. We're born into very different situations. And I think that mm. it all contributes to your writing process. And I think that's what's so wonderful about a writer's mind, you know, that it's very unique and it's yeah. very unique to your person, to your own persona. Yeah, isn't that writing is such like a intimate thing? It's like you're you're literally yeah. writing what you're thinking, <laughs> yeah. and you just say it exactly. out. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I was recently I worked for a for a podcast which is called Words in a Wire. Uh, okay. And recently, because I we produced some of the of the content and everything. And we get to listen to the interviews before they actually uh, go onto the podcast. And there was this one writer, Benjamin Alire Sainz, who said that in order to write and be on, have like some convincing writing, you have to get in the wound. If it's not hurting you, if writing's not personal, if, if writing's not uh, bringing those old wounds, um, back into your life you're not doing a good job you're not good you're not gonna get good writing because writing has to be in some way painful you know to your yeah. own person it has to be and it's like you said it's very personal right but if we don't get very personal then we're not doing a good job i think if it's not personal then it's it's probably more superficial and surface level writing right mm-hmm Yes. So what, do you, uh, in terms of fiction, what do you think are like three things or qualities that, that make it effective writing? I think you have to create a good story. Uh, that would be one of them. Um, make a uh, whole characters you don't want a character i mean of course you want a character that's going to relate to your audience you'll probably relate to you and you have to let those characters evolve nobody likes a flat character nobody likes to read about some superficial person i mean you really want to develop those characters i think that's um some elements that are just truly key you know and just like you yeah. said in the beginning like be true to yourself I think that's also important when it comes to fiction writing, nonfiction, uh, poetry, whatever genre you're writing in. Now, when you say uh, like developing character, how does one demonstrate the development of a character? 
I think I think when you introduce a character, of course, you're going to introduce it like probably very superficial. But throughout the story and through uh, a series of circumstances, you're going to see the growth and the actions that this character takes. And I think that plays a lot into what we see of a character as a little person that we're creating on the page, right? And you really want that person to make mistakes because that's what people do, right? And we want that mm -hmm. character to learn from those mistakes and probably redeem uh, himself or herself or themselves um, from those mis mistakes. So I think that's what truly um, gets us to see a character in development, you know? I mean, that's my so, take. Take it or leave it. <laughs> this so you is personal. Can... But you could, I could see where you could easily transcribe that or, or apply it to life, mm -hmm. right? Like if you yeah. as a person, if you're not like learning from your mistakes or developing, then you're kind of a flat character, aren't you? Yes, you are. <laughs> exactly. You want to be around it. <laughs> you don't want to be flat. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so... What what films have you seen lately? Lately, well, the other day I went to see this horror film called Men by Alex Gar Garlard. I don't know. I, I don't remember the name of the director. I know it's Alex something. Um, so it's just called and Men. He's also Men. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's weird, you know? Have you seen any movies from uh, this production uh, company, A24? I have not, but my, not. <laughs> my very, very close friend, Joe, is obsessed with A24. He's got like A24 merchandise that he wears. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It is, I mean, yeah, okay. So the production company, um, the studios, they know how to pick their films. I think they're very unique. Um, okay. All of them, all the ones I've seen from them. Um, and yeah, the movie's really weird. It's strange, but it's good. I liked it. Okay. So it's weird in what way? That's that's really hard to explain. I think you have to watch it in order to get like the weirdness of it. Yes. Okay. Is it in the story or is it in its like how it's shot or, or what? It is in the story and it is how it's shot. Yeah, it's both okay. of them. Okay. But it's good. I mean, I like it. Okay. Uh yeah, I think you had mentioned before when we were messaging you saw the the new harry potter movie right oh fantastic uh the beast yeah and the secrets of dumbledore yes i did so how was that there's no book to adapt that from right i don't think so huh did you Not enjoy gonna lie, it? i didn't like it no I didn't oh like really it. why okay so why is that break it down for us um i think the story is very weak there's really no secrets um yeah the story is just weak 
I feel like it doesn't really capture the magic. And I think that's another reason why, like, I feel like we, everyone is, well, at least myself, I'm very obsessed with the, with the magic that Harry Potter brought into my life, especially yeah. in the film. Um, and they don't capture that <laughs> anywhere uh, on this film. So, yes, I feel like, yeah, the story is not as good as I wished it now, was. I was very excited because it was about, okay. about Dumbledore. I was very excited about that. Yeah. But, yeah, it just fell apart a little bit for me. Huh. Now, did you watch the other uh, Dumbledore movie? Isn't there like another another one before this one? The Secrets of Winter, uh, Grindelwald. Yes, I did. So did you feel the same way about that one? Or, or are they running out of material or what? I, I, feel, I feel like they are. I mean, um, the entire Fantastic Beasts um, saga, I don't like it. I don't. <laughs> okay. Now, just, I, I feel like it's just not very good. That's it. That's just me, my personal take. Don't get offended. If you love it, keep loving it. But yes. What was your experience with the Harry Potter series? Like reading and watching the movies? Like what, what was your kind of experience around it? I think it's also because uh, when Harry Potter came out, it was something very new. It was kind of like, um, I don't know. It was just a very different experience um, from what I've had. I was a kid when Harry Potter came out. And I remember um, every year we waited one year to go to the movies and watch Harry Potter. You know? And it was very exciting. And every single film left you just wanting more and wanting that year to go by as fast as possible so you could go back to the movie theater and enjoy the next yeah. movie. And yeah. you grow up with the characters and that's something that I feel like there's attachment to the characters, there's attachment to the story, you know? I remember when, when we went to the movies and I saw the sixth film, which is when Dumbledore actually dies, the entire, the entire, like, um, movie theater uh, in the entire room people were crying and i was crying because i was so attached to the image of this old professor you know yeah so i think that's something that the story uh in fantastic beasts lacks you know that attachment that growth that connection with the audience um yeah it's something that i i just don't feel <laughs> anymore you know in those in those movies so it's very do strange. you think yeah. We were talking about performances by actors earlier. Yeah. Do you feel like Eddie Redmayne isn't doing oh. as good of a performance or is it the writing? It is the writing because he's fantastic. I think the, the performance by the actors. I, I, I've seen some of his work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love Eddie Redmayne. Uh, one of the very first movies I saw of him, it's called Like Minds. Okay. And it's, Sort of a thriller. Yes, it's very old. Okay. <laughs> I think it's it was his first acting role, like professional, like in movies. I think it was the okay. first one. I think so. Uh, I might be wrong, but I might be right at the same time. Um, and yeah, he's a really fine actor. Jude Law is fantastic. You know. Yeah, Jude uh, good But yeah, it's but yeah, it's the writing. Huh. 
I feel like when so what, you don't have a strong enough story to tell, that is going to be visible in the filmmaking process as well. So what is the story lacking? Like what? Uh... More depth, I think. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, because it, this is about the secrets of Dumbledore. But the secrets yeah. that we see, they're really not secrets. I mean, it's stuff that we've known because uh, the author of the Harry Potter saga revealed it to the audience because people who are truly Potterheads know it beforehand. So there's really no secrets. And that's what I was like intrigued about it, you know? That but was, if that this was is a prequel. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. But it's a prequel, though. So, like, theoretically, in our heads, we shouldn't know this these secrets already. Exactly. Right? But we yeah. know them because we've seen the story already. So it's kind of like, yeah. And that, that's the thing. Like, if it's a prequel, you should bring new elements that are really and truly secrets. Right? But there's none. Yeah. So, like, whatever. Yeah. In your opinion, what would... What's the difference between writing fiction, like a fiction novel, versus writing a uh, what writing for film? Is that like screenplay? It's called screen screenwriting. Yes. Um, well, it's it's very different. Just uh, technically, it is a very different approach in screenwriting. You don't get to uh, show as much as you do, for example, in fiction. One page in screenwriting, it's, it can be just pure dialogue, while one page in, that's actually not a good description of what I'm trying to get to. But yeah, it just looks very different. In one page, for example, whenever I write fiction, I'm just writing details and details and details up on details. Um, and in screenwriting, there's just limited space for you to do that. So you have to be very but precise. But also, yeah. Yeah, you have to be very precise. I mean, I think both uh, genres will need precision, of course. Uh, but it's just technically, I think it just feels different, too. Yeah. Because then it's not your job as the writer to show, right? Then that's like mm -hmm. that... that well, this is this is something I want to ask you is like, do you think film is the highest form of art in regards to storytelling? Because it seems know. like there's so I many elements that, that go into it. <laughs> yes. There's but no, no, no right or wrong answer. <laughs> no, yeah, but like, there's so many creative inputs yeah. that there's you it's such a delicate balancing act i feel like you were talking about writing and we're talking about like someone who prepares costumes and props and then the way people shoot it and then edit it and then like music and there's there's whereas like if you write a book it's basically just like here it is and yeah but also uh, if know. you write a book i don't know yeah because i love i love both you know i love books and i love film and I would even incline more towards film. I grew up watching, before I was reading, I was watching movies. Um, 
and I have a very profound love for film. So I don't know. I think it might be. Because that's true, because you have other elements other than writing, right? You have the visuals, yeah. you have production, design, um, produ production set, people who are behind the scenes, special effects, everything, right? Yeah. It might be. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's a yes. <laughs> so then to follow up that question, what do you um, think about <laughs> like augmented reality? and virtual reality as, as far as storytelling goes? Like, will that now transcend just what we think of film right now, just watching it on a screen and getting the sound and the sound effects? Like, is it going to take it up another level as far as storytelling? We're going to end up in the matrix for some reason. We're going to back to the beginning. We're going to be in the matrix. Um, I really don't know. I mean, I, I suppose it will take you to another level. I think everything's been taken to another level. If you think of just the evolution of film, you know, in the last yeah. couple of, in the last decade, you know, with special effects and visual effects and how realistic they are, you know, maybe, I mean, it is possible, I think. I want to assume. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was, okay, so so I I was back in Wisconsin this last week, and uh, I usually don't listen to, like, long-form podcasts. I don't consume a lot in general, but this is a time <laughs> I'm just on the tractor for, like, you know, 10 hours a day. So I'm listening to particular podcasts and interviews that, that are, like, evergreen. And there's one with this scientist and he was talking about like right now the internet is digital like you go on mm -hmm. you go online and it's digital but like what what a big goal of the human species right now is to map out the human brain so there's like over uh like a million neurons in the brain mm -hmm. and we don't know what it does like we don't we don't know but now with technology and we're able to like scan things and and like we have more and more information and data to figure this out but eventually we can know what every single neuron in the brain does and wow. instead of connecting digitally to the internet it'd be connecting neurally to the internet so like that's crazy so everything is based on neurons and so you're in el paso and you could tell me mm -hmm. uh you know i'm not really feeling well today and then i could access the neural internet and feel what you're feeling because of the neurons isn't that crazy that's crazy no that's that's okay when you said another level, I wasn't expecting that level. That is scary, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, they're, they're starting these, or they, they've been doing these for a while with like, um, say like, uh, it all starts with like, you know, say someone becomes paralyzed, right? How yeah. do you, so to learn more about their brain and then connect 
those like neurons to like artificial limbs or things like that for them to actually be mobile again or, or do things again. It yeah. kind of starts with prosthetics and things like that. Um, but I was thinking about that with like storytelling. Like what if you're watching uh, a film or you're inside this like three-dimensional space and you're able to like feel what the characters are feeling? Like what how wild that would be? Uh, that could be so wild, but that would be, okay. If we're just talking about storytelling, I think that would be pretty cool because it's like we were mentioning previously, you get to embody the story, yeah. embody the character and leave that story. So instead yeah. of the character playing in the book, it's going to be you in the book. I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's fast. I think the only, the, yes, the only issue will be just be careful picking out the book that you want to be in. I don't know. Yeah, and how far do you go in the ethics? And, yeah. yeah. So many, so, so many questions. Yeah, there's so many things, yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's an interesting so, one. That's cool. But so you were saying with storytelling is that now when you say a good story, you mentioned earlier three things. Create a good story, create whole characters that evolve, and then be true to yourself uh when you say good story what do you mean by that i think a good story it's gonna take you through an entire journey you know i think um for me a good story it's i can only think of the show that i just watched which is a hunting of hill house i'm so sorry that i kept going back to it um but for me, that story explains everything that it has to explain within what's going on in the series. We have a beginning, we have a, a mid part, we have an end, and everything is interconnected through the story writing. So something that we see in the beginning, we see it in the end. Something that we see in the end, we see it in the middle of it, and we see the continuity of things um, within the story. You know, I think it's something yeah. that I always tell my students is you have to be really careful when creating a story. Don't leave uh, plot holes. They're always try to explain um, the reason why a character uh, decided to do something. Because if it's out of nowhere, then I don't think that's how we perceive things in real life. I think there's always like a reason behind the things we do, the decisions we make. Um, and I think that a story also has the need for that, you know, good reasoning, I would say. Okay, so you're saying journey, you're using the word journey with storytelling. Do you feel that? through social media, we're all storytelling to other people the narrative or journey of our lives? I think we are, yes. I take, for example, okay, so when it comes to social media, the one that I use the most is Instagram, just because I get to upload photos. Yeah. Um, I'm a photographer, so I love photography, right? 
And yes, um, I've been going back uh, the other day. I was like, okay, so what did my feet look like a couple of years ago? And I went down my my feet, my own profile, and I started looking at the things that I was doing uh, in 2020, you know, that we were at the pandemic and all the photos that I have are from home, you know? And before yeah. that, yeah. Uh, I went to Denver to visit my best friend for the first time. So I get to see photos of that journey for the first time, you know, the first time that I was um, in Denver. And then before that, I remember that I used to just go to a very uh, special coffee shop, you know, that I love here, that it's no longer here in El Paso. Um, or the location, it's not, it's no longer there. Um, and just going through those photos, it's like, oh my gosh, I remember when I used to go to this place and I love that place and it was our hangout uh, yeah. place, you know? So I think we are, we are telling this, our, our own stories, you know, and the journey of our own stories in a very special way, I think. Yeah. Your, your Instagram's pretty good. And you're, uh, I like you. your, your, uh, the aesthetic, you have like a certain aesthetic and I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. And that's kind of similar to, <laughs> I'm sure you've like, when you're watching movies, you're looking at the aesthetics mm -hmm. and the intention of, um, using all these different elements from the way it's shot to like the color scheme and like, yeah, it's cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so how did, okay. So how did you then develop that aesthetic? I don't know. I actually don't, no, I, it's not like I planned it out. It's not like I said, I'm going to have this aesthetic, but I think it just happened. It's just the way I like things to look like, I would say. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, I've been doing photography for almost 10 years. And you develop an eye for things. So even if I'm looking at, at, at a plant or whatever thing I'm looking at, I try to find an angle that is aesthetically pleasing to the eye. And I try to capture that. And I think that's what I do with my with my feet. I try to I try to make it look pretty. And if you're gonna look at something, at least, at least it's gonna look nice. Yeah, my it, it does look nice. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're closing up on time here. So I got two, two more questions for you. Sure. Okay. What, what's something you're curious about recently? Something I'm curious about. Hmm, um, okay. So one thing that comes to mind is with everything, like we were talking about going like, digital and everything mm -hmm. i'm very curious about how this sort of like meta thing when it comes to facebook it's gonna work okay and how virtual reality can actually become like the actual reality mm. you know that's something that i've been like uh lately thinking of and like we talking uh about the matrix today just like reminded me of that i had forgotten about that yeah. yes i'm just very curious about how things will look like in probably the next two decades for us maybe we're not going to be just through zoom we're going to be like in another space i don't know it's weird yes yeah i've been listening to uh i've been educating myself more about web3 and uh mm -hmm. have you heard of web3 no i haven't okay 
So we're in the like third stage of the internet where the, Mm -hmm. or we're entering the third stage. So like the first one is like computers communicating to each other. I guess the first one they really consider is like commerce. So commerce is now done. It all started with the information revolution. So like, I think Alan Turing is the kind of like the, um, godfather of all this we figured out how to measure data and information um so we can now take a scientific approach to it in a way and it just evolves and evolves so commerce two is digital and social so now you can communicate among people instead of just like commerce and three is like this um like a decentralized internet whereas if you look at the 20th century everything is like top down it's like we have three Mm -hmm. tv stations you have your four radio stations in the area and the movie theaters are all controlled what you see on film is like all by big production companies you know in particular areas so you're only getting like one kind of view of everything but now the internet flattens it all out and you can literally just whatever interest you have, whatever you're into, you can find people in communities from all over the world. You're not you're mm-hmm. not just like inhibited by your geographical location. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's pretty well. So everything's becoming more and more local uh, yes. and it's very fascinating. And then with like the Internet. I, th- I think this is part of like Web3. You're talking about virtual reality. And then there's yeah. also like augmented reality. And so more and more, everything is about these. Uh, so it has to do with like physics. So we're creating these intelligent chips. We're making everything intelligent around us from uh, like our watches to our, our bedrooms to our... Uh, our desks and our lights and like everything. Um, So the augmented part is where you're like actually living in it. It's not like you, whereas before there's this separation between, okay, I'm here and I'm going to jump on my computer and access the internet. Mm -hmm. But now the internet is like all around us and like the internet of things. And um, I'm curious about like, like vision. There was like this push for, for like glasses, like Google glasses or something, but they're also okay. talking about like contact lens that have microchips mm-hmm. in them where like, if I'm looking at you, say, uh, I don't know how it would work with Zoom, but say like you're, I'm meeting face to face with somebody but with like facial recognition the computer in the lens can pull up your biography and i can access everything <laughs> online about you at the same time as i'm like talking to you right in front of you like what the uh, heck? okay so, yeah yeah so it's, so it's like it's uh it's very fascinating it's like we have information and access to information so it's like all 
everything is like fusing together in a way. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how to explain. Oh, wow, that's crazy. I think that's another thing uh, now that you mentioned sort of like the lens microchip. I think Elon Musk wanted to do the same thing, but in the brain. So you could access like all internet information, which I think is just so I really think scary. That's the Neuralink <laughs> thing. So I think that's what we were talking okay. about earlier with the like neural yes. internet. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we live, we live in a very interesting time. We uh, do. We do. And actually. I think, yes. I, but it's still like, we're kind of on the frontier of a lot of this stuff and yeah. We don't have enough sample size to know what we're doing is good or bad. Mm -hmm. Like different things that we're doing, we don't know. Like say social media, for example, it's designed to keep your attention. And mm -hmm. we're seeing like, like a rise in depression and anxiety. And we don't know if this is actually good for us. It's like, yeah, we don't have enough sample size size and uh research on it yet right yes exactly uh, i think it's gonna take us a while but we might get there and we might get to the point of like that contact lens with the microchip i think it might happen maybe very 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 in the far future but it will yeah i'm um I, i'm like so interested in these things right now like technology uh i read this book um this is really what got me into it, it was like uh this book homo deus i i said i feel like i say it to everybody now but like he wrote the book sapiens like it's over there oh, somewhere okay. and it's like that, about okay. the brief history of of human species right mm -hmm. so homo deus is like the future of humankind oh, okay and uh Yeah, biotechnology. So like humans, we want to live, we want to live uh, healthier, longer and happier. So a lot of the decisions around technology is all being driven by that, like those three things. Um, yeah. So it's like, how do we how do we live better? Which is interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer to that question. No, I don't. But we're curious no, as no humans and we want to yeah, find out. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my last well, question we, for we, you. We not. I don't know. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> yeah. We only time will tell. That's mm -hmm. for sure. That's true. Okay. So what's something that excites you within the next three months? <sighs> within the next three months? So I think summer, that I'm going back to school. I know I just got out of school, but what's exciting for me is that I'm going back to school for my last year of grad school, which okay. is going to be nerve wracking, but also very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I, I don't know. What else do you want me to just say? I have nothing interesting like happening in three months. I don't think. <laughs> So you don't yeah. think, but you don't know that. You don't know what's yeah, interesting to that. me or, or listeners or viewers. 
Are you taking any trips or are you, do you have any activities planned? I'm going to go to Houston in July. But that's like two months away. Yeah. What are you doing in Houston? I'm going to go visit uh, some family and I'm going to get new ice skates. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You were right. Do you, uh, okay, I'm curious. What do you do for the 4th of July if you do anything? Okay, so that's, um, okay, so I'm from Mexico, but I live here in El Paso and I've been living here for the past 12 years. So 4th of July, I personally don't celebrate it because like I said, I'm from Mexico, so I celebrate my independence day. However, I think uh, we've learned when we have some friends who are from here from the States and they celebrate it um, with barbecues and everything. So we get invited to the 4th of July celebration and I think we just spend time yeah. with them, just, in ga- just gathering and then yeah. we get to see the fireworks. That's what we do. I mean, we get invited um, to other people's celebrations. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm curious about, so El Paso celebrates 4th of July uh, pretty big. We do. I mean, we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's uh, fireworks all over the place for the 4th of July here in El Paso, here in town. So people get, can go and see the fireworks. And um, you also get to see a lot of people just in the parks, you know, grilling stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it just varies from family to family. Me, my family, we're very, very Mexican (laughs) that we celebrate, uh, yeah. In September. Okay. Very nice. Well, uh, yeah, it sounds like you got a lot going on. Thanks again for coming on. I appreciate this. No, thank you for having me. It's great to see you and great to talk to you. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Thanks again. And thanks for sharing all this knowledge about uh, film and writing and fiction and storytelling, storytelling. Let's go and live, <laughs> live our stories and journeys to the best of our abilities. <laughs> all right. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to rich conversations. Again, you can follow Gigi on Instagram at Gigi Flores. take some time today to whatever you're watching. Appreciate how it's shot, and all the thought that goes into it. Keep pursuing your curiosity and have a fantastic day.